Merry Christmas. This is Gary Weber. I'm the pastor here at Southside Baptist Church. And I want to take this opportunity to wish you and your family a very Merry Christmas and to thank you for the time that you invest listening to the podcast from Southside. It means a lot to me and our entire team that you trust us with your spiritual disciplines by making our podcast part of your weekly routine. We want to invite you to visit our website, www.ssbc.org, where you can join us in participating in the Advent Conspiracy. You can make contributions to local and even international mission projects. Or you may just want to make a contribution to Southside's general fund and support the ministry here. Again, you can visit www.ssbc.org to find out more about how you can become involved in the ministry at Southside. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Our scripture reading this morning is found in the book of Revelation chapter 4. So if you have a Bible, I invite you to open to Revelation chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible, there's one in front of you and you're welcome to use that. And if you don't have one at home, uh, please feel free to take that with you at the end of our service today. We'll also put these verses uh, up on the screen today. Revelation chapter 4, that's the very last book in the Bible, so it's an easy one to find. Revelation chapter 4, verse 1. After this, I looked... And behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice, which I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet, said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne stood in heaven, with one seated on the throne. Around the throne were 24 thrones, and seated on the thrones were 24 elders clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their heads. And around the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures, full of eyes in front and behind. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are and full of eyes all around and within. And day and night, they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and God. To receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. This is the word of the Lord. This morning we are wrapping up a series. If you're with us for the first time today, uh, we've just finishing up a series that we've called Let Earth Receive Her King. And we started the series out actually uh, the Sunday before the election. And we have been looking at comparing uh, earthly rulers and earthly kings uh, to the king whose birth we celebrate today uh, in the birth of Jesus. Because Christmas is the celebration of the arrival of this king. But it wasn't the arrival that the world had expected. It wasn't what people were looking for. Mother Teresa coined the phrase Jesus in all of his disturbing disguises when she talked about caring for the least of these among us. But Jesus was in a disturbing disguise even when he arrived on that first Christmas because he did not arrive like a normal king. So this morning on Christmas, I thought it would be really good for us, uh, instead of looking at Jesus as he arrived on earth, to look at what he left 
to take a look behind at what Jesus left behind when he left the glories of heaven and came down to earth. Because it's easy for us to look at this baby that's born in a manger and to say, that's Jesus, that's our king. But maybe we don't really understand what kind of a king he is. So let's take a step back further than Bethlehem. Take a step back further than the birth of Jesus to see this heavenly throne room that Jesus left behind. And I want you to look at three specific things as we consider this passage this morning. I want us to look at the door, at the door. I want us to look at the throne, and I want us to look at crowns, okay? These three things, the door, the throne, and crowns. Let's start off with the door. Look what it says in verse 1. After this I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. Now, when you think about a door, a door has two meanings, uh, depending on whether it's open or closed. An open door has this welcoming idea to it. it. It says, come in, enter, come into this place. The door is open, come in. A closed door, of course, means stay out, that, that this place is, is protected by this door and it is meant to keep you out of it. Now, I want you to notice what it says in Revelation 4, verse 1. That the door to heaven is what? It's open. That's right. I know it's Christmas morning, but come on, we're going to work together here, okay? The door to heaven is open. This symbolizing that it is welcoming. It's saying, come in. How many of you have seen the movie or read the book, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe? Anybody in here seen that movie or read the book? Okay. If you've not read the book, read the book, watch the movie. It is, it's, it's incredible. But this whole idea of heaven, this wardrobe, as they open, as the children find this wardrobe and open the wardrobe, they step through the door into Narnia, which is symbolic of the, the kingdom of, of God. It's this place that, that, uh, that time stands still when they, they live a lifetime in the wardrobe, but when they step back out, uh, not even a moment has passed. It's this idea that heaven really isn't that far away. I don't know what you think about heaven. If you think about it geographically far away, or, or, or maybe you think about it time-wise far away. For some of you, maybe as you get older, you think heaven gets closer and closer. But no matter what age you are, heaven is near to you. Heaven is close. Jesus said that the kingdom of heaven is within you. Now, I want you to think about this. This door to heaven that we often think about from our side uh, as something that we go through to get into heaven. I want you to think about that door as being a door through which Jesus himself passed to leave the glories of heaven to come and be with us. Listen to what Paul said in Philippians chapter 2. Though he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. And being made in human likeness of a man, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. In other words, Jesus left heaven behind. The reason the door to heaven is open is because Jesus opened it himself so he could leave the glories of heaven and come and be with us. The door to God's throne room has been opened by Jesus. Jesus told his disciples, I am the door. I am the door. The door is open. I am the way. Now, when you think about doors and you think about closed doors, think about earthly throne rooms. Think about earthly uh, places of power. Uh, They're always closed, and not only are they closed, but they're locked, and there are usually guards standing outside of the door when it comes to earthly thrones, aren't there? That's not the case with the throne in heaven. I remember a couple years ago... um, 
I was able to chaperone a trip with uh, Abby. My, my middle daughter was taking a trip to Washington, D.C. And we were so excited because we thought that we had been able to secure a tour of the White House, which I've always wanted to go into the White House. I've never been able to do, been to D.C. several times, never been able to get into the White House. We thought we had it worked out. And so Abby and the orchestra was going, but the band was also going. And once the Secret Service found out that our group included two different groups, they couldn't get all the, all the credentials checked on all the orchestra kids, none of us got to go into the White House. And I was really bummed out about that. But you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of that you may be shut out of places of earthly power, but the door to heaven is open. You may have had doors closed on you your entire life, opportunities where the door has been shut, but the door to the throne room of heaven has been opened, that Jesus himself opened it for you. And Jesus found only closed doors, though, when he came to earth, just like you and just like me. There was no room for him in the end. From his very beginning, the doors were closed. He was rejected by the political leaders. He was rejected by the religious leaders. He was excluded. Listen to what John said as he describes the birth of Jesus in John 1, verse 10. And he was in the world. God himself took on flesh, came and dwelt among us. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own. His own people did not receive him. The king of heaven opened the door so that you could come in, and yet when he came to earth, all he found was closed doors. And do you know what Revelation tells us? Just one chapter before chapter 4, in verse, chapter 3, verse 20, it says that Jesus, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. And anyone who will open the door, I will come in. And I will dine with him and he with me. That the, that the throne room, the door to heaven is open, but the door on earth is often closed. The door of our own hearts is often closed. And Jesus stands at the door of your heart knocking to come in. You see, listen, this, this is so important. And I, I know many of you who are here today, if you are at, on church on Christmas morning, you might be hardcore. Okay, I get that. Because you, you got up and you made it here to church on Christmas morning. But just in case some of you are here today and you're still seeking answers, entry to heaven, listen to this now, entry to heaven is not contingent on the door of heaven being open to you. Jesus has opened the door to heaven to you, but it is contingent upon the willingness of you to open the door of your heart to Jesus. That's a radically different way to look at God. It is not you trying to get into heaven. It is Jesus himself leaving heaven, trying to come into the door of your heart. Will you open it to him? The door, But there's another thing from this passage I want us to look at, and that's the throne. Look at, look at verse 2. And behold, a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the thrones. Now, when you think about a throne, um, I, I don't know if, you're, if you watch movies uh, about kings and, and monarchs, you, you kind of see them always sitting on the throne. Like they sit there on the throne. Uh, but of course, in reality, kings don't often sit on the throne. I looked this up, the, 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 the throne in England... Um, you know, the longest continual monarchy, I think, in, in world history, uh, they only get that thing out when they coronate somebody. And, and so it hasn't, you know, they haven't gotten it out like in 60 plus years because Queen Elizabeth. So, so it, but it symbolizes something, doesn't it? It symbolizes power. It symbolizes position. It, it symbolizes authority. It is the rightful place for the one who uh, has the position of the monarch, it symbolizes their majesty. Now, when the angels announced the birth of Jesus in Luke chapter 1, 
He talked about a throne. Listen to what the angel said. Luke chapter 1, verse 30. And the angel said to her, talking to Mary, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him, listen to this, the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will know no end. So Jesus arrived on earth. Mary had been told that Jesus was coming to take over the throne of his father, David. Of course, he's talking about the kingdom of Israel, right? This, this kingdom that had been established, uh, it had gone through difficult times. It had actually kind of been disbanded during the exile. But there was this hope that out of Israel would come a king, a once in a future king, who would deliver his people. Not just from political oppression of the Romans, but from the oppression of sin. And the angel was saying to Mary, you are going to give birth to the very king who will assume that throne. And he will rule over the house forever and the kingdom will know no end. And so Jesus arrived on earth, but he didn't take up a throne. Instead, he was laid in a manger. He didn't hold a scepter. Instead, he held a hammer as a carpenter in a carpenter shop. And, and ultimately, he, he, he would not assume, uh, assume the throne, but he would uh, take his position on the cross in humility and out of great sacrifice. And, and the difference between Jesus, the king of the world, hung on the cross for all to see, and the thrones of this earth, as you consider Caesar's throne and, and the, the throne in England and, and any throne or, or position of power on the earth, all of the thrones of the kings of the earth are cheap imitations. They're parodies of the only true throne. And Jesus himself was willing to leave that throne and come to earth. Now think about this. No matter how long a monarch rules or reigns, it could be 60, 70 years, ultimately that throne will belong to someone else. Because they're not immortal. Even if you get a good king, even if you get, in our case, a good president, uh, by, by the Constitution, you're only going to have that president for, for eight years, right? But the angel promised to Mary that there was coming a king who would assume the throne and he would rule forever and ever and ever. Politics will change. Governments will change. But the kingdom of God will stand forever. It is not dependent on whoever is in power or who wins an election or who wins a war. Jesus sits on the throne. He is the king of this world. And, and so often, the, as we think about from the standpoint of human power, kings fight to assume earthly thrones. They, they fight to hold on to power. They fight to attain power. Jesus didn't do that. In fact, the way that Jesus is enthroned and the way that we know he is the rightful king is that he was willing to leave his throne behind. He was willing to surrender his throne and to sacrifice his life so that he might come and dwell among us and that he might save us. There's a door in heaven and it's open. There's a throne in heaven, and the one who is seated on it will rule and reign forever. And finally, I want us to look at the crowns. Look at the crowns with me. Down in verse 9, listen to what John is writing as he recounts what he sees in heaven. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne. Now, crowns on earth are a symbol of power. They're a symbol of conquest. They're a symbol of accomplishment. 
when, uh, when a king would go in and, and conquer uh, another area, another territory, one of the things that they would do to symbolize the fact that they had assumed power is they would take the crown of that monarch and they would place it on their king's head to symbolize that they had assumed all power. And so when you see in heaven these elders and these, these people are around the throne and they're all wearing crowns, they're all wearing crowns symbolizing some sort of earthly power, earthly accomplishment, earthly titles, earthly positions. But when they come before the throne in heaven, when they come before Jesus who is seated on the throne, what do they do with their crowns? They take them off and they don't just place them, they cast them, they throw them down as if they were not valuable or precious at all. Because in comparison to Jesus who is sitting on the throne and his position, they have no value whatsoever. That's why if you go on and you read the rest of the book of Revelation, it says the street's made of gold. I don't know if it's really made of gold, if that's literal or not, but what John is trying to say is that the things that we on earth ascribe so much, uh, ascribe so much value to in heaven, it's just like asphalt. You just walk around on it. And the thrones and the positions of authority that these people held, they take them off their head and they cast them at the feet of Jesus. In heaven, all of our earthly accomplishments and titles are all laid down at his feet. Listen to what the psalmist said. This is hundreds of years before Jesus was born. Psalm 72, verse 9 through 14. The psalmist said this, May desert tribes bow down before him, and his enemies lick the dust. May the kings of Tarshish and the coastlands render him tribute. May the kings of Sheba and Seba bring gifts. May all kings fall down before him. All nations serve him. For he delivers the needy when he calls, the poor and him who, are, who has no helper. He has pity on the weak and the needy. He saves the lives of the needy. From, op- from oppression and violence, he redeems their lives, and precious is their blood in his sight. Now think about this king that the psalmist is describing. There's never been an earthly king like this. A king powerful enough that the other kings of the earth would bow down to him, that they'd lick the dust, that all the kings who've ever assumed power would bow before this king, and yet he's also gentle enough that he would care for the weakest and the neediest on the earth, that he would care for the least of these. There's never been a king like that until Jesus was born. And not only is he the king of kings and lord of lords and will everybody cast their crowns before him, but he was humble enough that he would come and he would care for the least of these. As you read the stories of Jesus and you see him caring for the lepers and restoring sight to the blind and restoring, uh, restoring the ability to walk to those who are lame, you see this humble king and yet he is the king of kings. This is what we want in a king, isn't it? It's what you want in a president. It's what you want in your government officials. You want somebody who's powerful enough to get things done and yet who is gentle and thoughtful and caring enough to care for the least among you. But you can't find that person, can you? I mean, you can get close. Maybe you've got a politician that you think, man, they've done, but they never quite fully fully uh, attain the description that the psalmist gives us in Psalm 72, because the king that we are looking for can only be found in Jesus. Listen to what it says in Philippians 2, 9 and 10. Therefore, God has exalted him to the highest place and has given him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The psalmist And Psalm 72 had no way of knowing that what he was talking about would ultimately be fulfilled 
in the coming of the Messiah, Jesus, who was to be born. Listen to what Paul said in Colossians 1, 15 through 17, that he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authority. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. What did the rulers in heaven, what did the elders in heaven say as they fell down before him and cast their crowns? They said, worthy are you, O Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things And by your will, they existed and were created. Listen, I don't know what positions you hold in life. Maybe maybe you're the president of a company or an organization. Maybe you've got some civic position. Maybe you're the janitor. I I don't know. But, But here's what you need to know. Whatever position you hold, the throne of heaven is the great equalizer. Because when we get to heaven, we are all on level ground. Isn't that good news? That's the equality that we're looking for that no government on this earth can ever, ever give us. I want you to take time to reflect on a few questions this week. Maybe you've got some extra time off. Uh, Maybe you would just jot these down and think about these. Discuss these questions with your small group. Discuss these questions with an accountability uh, partner. Discuss them with a friend. And I just want you to take some time to think about these. Listen to the first question. Do you feel as if you're standing before a closed door? Maybe at Christmas time especially, you feel like you are coming before a closed door. The job that you've been wanting and you can't seem to find it, the school that you hope to attend, the person that you hope would notice you and they haven't noticed you, are you standing before a closed door trying to get in? Listen, the door of earthly powers are often closed to us, but the door of heaven remains open to you. And there is no more important door than that. There is no job that you're waiting to get or an interview that you're hoping to be able to have that will ever bring satisfaction. There's no relationship that you can ever, there's no school you can get into. There's nothing on earth that has a closed door that can compare to the glories that are awaiting you on the other side of the door of heaven. And that doesn't just mean someday when you die. That means the moment you are willing to open the door of your heart to Christ, you step into that promise right here, right now. Is there a door that's closed to you that you're waiting to be opened? Is the door of your heart open to Jesus Christ? He said, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. He's knocking at the door of your heart. He's knocking on the door of your home. He's knocking on the door of our church. He knocks and he says, will you open the door of your heart, the door of your home, the door of your church and allow me to come in? Is there something inside of you? Maybe you said, you know what, I'm a believer. But is there a room in your heart that you've closed off to Jesus. Maybe it has to do with pride. Maybe it has something to do uh, with some secret sin. Maybe there's something inside of you. Maybe there's a relationship and you've kept that part of your heart closed to Jesus. And Jesus, when he comes into your heart, he doesn't just want to stay in the foyer or the living room. He wants to get into the bedroom and he wants to go into the closets. He wants in every room of your heart. Is there a door in your heart that's closed to Jesus this Christmas? Will you open it to him? After all, he's opened the door of heaven for you. Is there a throne in your life that has not been relinquished to Jesus? What about your marriage relationship? What about the relationship with your children? What about your career? What about your job? What about your finances? What about your dating relationships? What about your sexuality? Is there a throne in your life that you have said, Jesus, stay off of this throne? Jesus, this throne isn't for you. Will you 
Will you surrender that throne to Jesus? Is there a crown that you have yet to lay at the feet of Jesus? Some position that you hold? Maybe it's even not a position you hold, but it's a position you covet. Is there a crown on your head that you're not willing to cast at the feet of Jesus this morning? I want to invite you to do something. Uh, Scott talked earlier about our commitment card, our our response card, communication card at the front of your uh, bulletin. I want you to take that back out for just a minute, if you would. Um, We're going to have a time of offering and, and a time of reflection And I'm going to invite you all just to take that response card and and have it prepared to put in the offering plate in just a minute. And as you do, I just want you to to write down one of three letters for me, okay? It's going to be simple because I know it's Christmas Day. You're going to write down an A, you're going to write down a B, or you're going to write down a C, okay? A, B, or C. Here's here's what they mean. Don't write down all of them at once, and it's not random. here's, Here's what I want you to write down. This Christmas, this Christmas, if you are here and you, you know that the door of your heart has been closed, that the throne of your heart has not been available, and that the crown is still on your head. But this Christmas, you are ready to open the door of your heart to Christ. This Christmas, you're ready to allow Jesus to assume the throne of your heart. You're ready to cast the crown from your head at the feet of Jesus. If this Christmas, if you are here and you say, you know what, I'm ready and I'd like to talk to somebody. I'd like to have a conversation. Would you just write an A? Put an A down. And for the first time in your life, you are ready to surrender your heart and your life to Christ. Just write an A down. If you're here today and you would say, you know what? I've got questions about that. I don't know if I'm ready to do that. But I hear what you're saying, and, and I still have questions about who Jesus is. I still have questions about whether I believe this or not. Uh, but, but I would like you to pray for me. Would you write down a B? Just write down a B, the letter B. And if you're here this morning and you're like me and maybe like most of us and you would say, you know what, I've opened the door of my life to Christ. I've invited him to assume the throne in my heart and and I try every day to cast my crowns at his feet. Um, Would you just write down the letter C? An A, if today you are ready to open the door of your life to Jesus and invite him to come in and assume the throne. A B, if you're not sure but you have questions and you'd like us to pray for you. And a C, if you would say Jesus sits on the throne of my heart. Would you just write one of those letters down? Now, here, here's what you should know. Just, just know this as you write it down. We're, we're not going to out you in any way. We're not going to embarrass you in any way, but we want to pray for you. And if you write down an A, we'd like to talk to you in a private way. Uh, we'll follow up with you after the first of the year and just set up an appointment and, and, and talk with one of, uh, one of the members of our staff, and we'd just like to talk to you more about what it means to become a Christian. I'm going to invite you to pray, and and as we pray, um, they're going to come and collect an offering. And you can just take that card that you filled out and just fold that and place that in the offering plate as it comes by. Um, If you've got a gift to give to the Advent Conspiracy or or maybe an offering this morning to give, uh, we welcome that. If you're a guest this morning, that card, that response card is, is, is all the gift that we would ask from you this Christmas season. Would you pray with me? Father, we come to you today and uh, we recognize the amazing glories of heaven that you left behind to come to earth. This time of year, we often look at your, uh, your earthly dwelling, the manger, um, the shepherds, the wise men, Mary and Joseph. But Lord, it's also really important that we take some time to consider what you left behind, what you were willing to, um, what you were willing to sacrifice in order to come to earth. And Father, we, we just want to give you thanks that you've thrown the doors of heaven open to us, that you've made a way for us through 
your son Jesus. And Lord, for those who are here today on Christmas, I can think of no better time um, that they would invite Jesus in. Uh, Even though this day we celebrate the day that Jesus came to earth and found nothing but closed doors, today, Lord, may, may he find open doors all over this room of the hearts and the homes and even this church. And we invite you, Lord Jesus, to come in and assume your rightful place on the throne of our heart, in the thrones of our homes, and in the throne of this, your church. We cast our crowns before you. We declare that you are worthy, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. Father, we thank you for the opportunity this Christmas to celebrate the amazing gift of Jesus. And Lord, as we bring our offering to you, Father, it's, it's, almost, uh, it's almost laughable to consider the gift that we give in comparison to the gift that you've given to us. But Father, we bring it with hearts filled with love, and we pray that you'd take it and you'd use it to expand your kingdom around the world so that all may hear and know that the doors of heaven have been opened by Jesus Christ, your Son. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Amen.